Well, we're in the third week of our series. We're calling Rebel with a Cause, looking at the towering figure of John the Baptist. And we've said there's so much we can learn from John, but through the course of the series, we are looking at learning from him how to live a life of purpose. And uh, purpose is something, it's, 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 you know, it doesn't come up in casual conversation or cocktail parties or dinner conversation, but I think it's because it's something so deep within us. Uh, just this past week, somebody asked me, you know, what's your purpose? And it, it kind of threw me off guard for a second. And, and I even kind of have an answer to that question, but I remember like having to compose myself, like, wow, that's a deep question for conversation. So while it doesn't come up in conver- casual conversation, we all know that life is better when we live a life of purpose, that when you live a life of purpose, uh, decisions are much simpler. If it supports your purpose, yes. If it doesn't, no. That we have greater resilience in our heart <coughs> when we're living with a sense of purpose, and we have greater joy in our lives as well. And when we're living with a sense of purpose, we live with a sense of significance. We know we're part of something bigger than ourselves. So through the course of this series, we're trying to learn about living a life of purpose from John the Baptist. And if even that seems like too big for your whole life, maybe you just want to think about this season of your life. As you enter your senior year in high school, or as you go to college, or as you you're in your first job, or midway through your career, you're ending your career, wherever you might be, you might think, God, what is my purpose for this season? And so in the first week, we talked about how when the angel announced the birth of John, even before he was conceived, God had a plan in mind for John. And, this, and it was a plan for John to be great in his sight. <coughs> in the same way, God has a plan for you. And God has created you to be great in his sight. And so we seek God if we want to know his purpose for our life. And then second, last week, we looked at listening to the voices of blessing in our lives that in John's life, his father, Zacharias, spoke blessing over him. He agreed with God's plan for his life. And as a result, John grew strong in spirit. And we too, if we listen to those voices of blessing and become a voice of blessing for others, can live a life of purpose and and have a better sense of our purpose. So uh, today we're moving on in the story of John, and we're gonna jump ahead to where he's an adult, and we'll get to there in a second. And then Uh, Also today, I want to share with you a story in my life about where I felt like my purpose became clearer. So we're going back to the story of John, and here's what we're told in Luke's gospel. The child grew and became strong in spirit, talked about that last week, and he was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to Israel. So John grows up in the household of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Zechariah is a priest But unlike most um, boys or men of that day, he doesn't do what his father does. He doesn't become a priest. Instead, John, at a certain point in his teenage years probably, goes out into the desert. So again, just like a lot of families right now are sending kids off to college, John and, you know, students are leaving home, they're going off to college. John leaves home and he goes out into the desert. Now, we don't know the details of this. We don't know what, we don't know because Scripture doesn't tell us, but we do know at that time there were a lot of religious communities that were forming, and so it's very possible John heard about these communities and went out and joined one of them. We don't know, but he went out into the desert until the manifest, his manifestation to Israel. In other words, until the time of his public ministry. And so John goes out there and he begins his public ministry at about the age 30, same time as Jesus. 
And he begins his ministry out in the desert. And then we learn a little bit more about his ministry. <coughs> John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. So in describing John's ministry, we see a ministry that's not all that flashy, right? John didn't have anything flashy. He didn't, he didn't have lights or cameras or fog machines or coffee and donuts after mass or cupcakes and cappuccino. He didn't even have a cool scripture screen, right? Nothing flashy about John's ministry, and yet we're told at that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. <coughs> so, despite the fact there's nothing really flashy about John and that he's out in the desert, all people from Jerusalem are going out there. Now, to go out to the desert would have been a 20-mile hike. Again, remember, this is a time without cars, so 20-mile hike through treacherous terrain, uh, the threat of robbers and wild animals. You would have had to bring provisions and food and water, and yet people from Jerusalem were going out to see John out in the desert. All of Judea, now this is kind of an exaggeration, but all of Judea, Judea was about the size of Baltimore County, so everybody in Judea is going out, the whole region around the Jordan, they're all going out to, be, out to John in the middle of the desert to be baptized by him and acknowledge their sins. So at that time, there was this incredible messianic fervor. It was thought by the people of Israel that the Messiah was coming soon. <coughs> they thought the Messiah was coming soon. And so... There's this buzz going about John. There's all these crowds of people going out to him. There's this messianic fervor. There's a thought maybe John is the Messiah. Adding to that, there was a thought that before the Messiah came, the, the people would go out into the desert. We'll talk a little bit about that more next week. So all this buzz is going on about John. And maybe even thought that he might be the Messiah. So as a result... The Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Messiah. So the Jews, meaning the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, are like, All right, we got to find out about this guy. Who is this guy? And maybe it was out of jealousy, maybe it was out of curiosity, we don't really know. But they, they send some emissaries out to John to find out who he is or who he thinks he is. And so these priests and, life's, and Levites go out and say, all right, you know, they ask the question, who are you? And he says, look, let me tell you who I'm not. I am not the Messiah. You know, he said, <coughs> so John's like, I'm not the Messiah. More importantly, I know I'm not the Messiah. Spirituality 101 is this. There is a Messiah. There is a Savior. It's not you. Okay, John knows I am not the Messiah. So then the, the, these guys come out. They say, well, what are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. All right, so this can be a little bit confusing because we're told about John that he came in the spirit of Elijah. But when John is saying, no, I'm not Elijah, he's answering in the literal sense. He's like, no, I'm not like Elijah back from the dead. I, I'm not a resurrected Elijah, nor do I think I am. All right, and then he says, well, they say, are you the prophet? And again, John is a prophet but back in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses said God would send the prophet. 
In other words, the final word on who God is and another kind of synonym for the Messiah. And John's saying, no, I'm not the prophet. I don't think I am the Messiah. Again, he's reinforcing that. And when it comes to living a life of purpose, you know, it's important to know what we're not as well as what we are, right? And often we discover what we're not before we discover who we really are or what our purpose is or what our purpose is not before we discover what it is. You know, so those of you, you know, in going off to college, you take a class, you think you're going to be a major in something and you, you hate the class, you're like, all right, that's not for me. That's all right. That's good. Or, you know, you go off into the career, your career, you start off somewhere, you're like, this is not for me. I know that's what I found out and went down to Washington, D.C. after I graduated college. I'm like, nope, that's not what my life's going to be about. I can tell. It's not about that. Um, same thing with, with purposes in life, that we might be, there's a lot of causes out there, and we could maybe get involved in something, volunteer for like, no, that's not what I'm supposed to be about. There's so many problems in the world to solve. We can't be about ever solving every problem in the world. So knowing what we're not about is as important as knowing what we are about, and often figuring what we're not about is part of the process. So John says, no, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the prophet. So then these guys say, well, who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. Who are you? So these guys are like, hey, John, can you do us a favor? Like, we came all the way out here to the desert. We went through this tough and difficult terrain because our bosses sent us out here, and we have to go back with an answer. We, we can't just be like, well, he told us who he wasn't. Like, so, John, do us a favor. Tell us, who are you? And then John says, I'm Batman. No. It's funny, I just watched Batman Begins last night. But anyway, no, he says this. He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. As Isaiah, the prophet said. You know, I know who I am. I'm the voice crying in the desert. That's why I'm out here. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah had said. And John is quoting there Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice proclaims in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. So the way I kind of imagine this, you know, you know, John would have memorized, probably memorized the whole Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures. <coughs> so he would have known them. But the one, what I kind of imagine here is that one day, John has a scroll, because that's what they would have had, a scroll, and he's reading through the prophet Isaiah, and suddenly, that verse, it just leaps up off the page. He's like, wait a minute. My, my father had said, that my role was to prepare the way of the Lord. And John thought about his life, and his whole life he had this longing to be out in the desert, out in the wilderness, away from society. Something about the desert called to his heart, and, then, and he heard about his father saying, you will prepare the way of the Lord. And these words written 700 years before he was born popped off the page at him. You know, there's, there's two ways that we can read the scriptures, you can read the Bible. 
And the one is to think that these are words written thousands of years ago or events that took place thousands of years ago, and, but they have nothing to do with us whatsoever. They're nice stories. But that's not how John read it. John read God's word expecting to see himself in it, expecting God to speak to him and clarify his purpose. And reading that expectantly, one day, those words popped up off the page. He said, that's me. That's what my life's about. And he saw his purpose more clearly. I really do believe that for every single believer and every single person, that God's purpose is hidden here in his word if we will find it. So when it comes to living a life of purpose, you know, the first two weeks again, we said we want to seek God and ask him our purpose. We want to listen to words of blessing and speak blessing over others. But then we grab your purpose from God's word. Grab your purpose from God's word. And in some ways, you know, the words grab us first. You know, I think the, the words grabbed John first. And then we have to grab back. This has been my experience. I want to share a couple of verses from my own life that where the, I feel like this has happened in my life. One time, I was on vacation, and I was just uh, got up in the morning, had a cup of coffee, and I'm reading through the Bible, and I'm reading through Acts of the Apostles. And I'm reading about the life of Paul. And I have, I have an affinity for John the Baptist. I also have an affinity for Paul. I, I see in his story. I want to live a story like his. And so I was reading about... Paul and, and Acts of the Apostles, and he says this to his friends, but I don't count my life of any value or as precious to myself if only I may accomplish my course and the ministry given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And I can still see myself on that balcony reading that, you know, on that deck and reading that, reading that verse and just putting my Bible down and being like, oh God, I want this to be true of my life. Help this to be true of my life. God, help me not to make my life about myself, but to accomplish the course you have given me, to accomplish the purpose you have given me, to testify to your goodness and your grace. And I would say, really, that's the purpose for every single Christ follower, whether you work in a church or not, that for all of us, again, it's, not trying to make our lives about us, but about God and to accomplish the course he's given for us, that he's got a course or plan in mind that I think we work out with him and that he's given to us in some way we're to testify to the grace of God, to the goodness of God, of how good the good news really is. So I think that's one that could apply to everyone. Now, there's another verse that popped out to me that really kind of applies, to, I think, to my ministry and work with Rebuilt. So at, at the church, we have a ministry rebuilt, which is about helping other churches and trying to help them grow and succeed. And so again, reading my Bible one time, and this is talking about Paul and his efforts, and it said this. So the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And again, just kind of stopped and be like, all right, God. This is what I hope our work at Rebuilt is all about. We want to strengthen the faith of church leaders across this country. And as a result, we want to see their numbers grow in faith daily. We want to see them grow. 
I truly believe if you study God's word, if you will get into it, at a certain point, some words will pop off the page for you. And again, it might be your purpose for all of your life or maybe just for this season in your life where it gives you clarity about what God is doing and what God wants to do through you. So I want to encourage you, get into God's word on a daily basis. Hidden in there are treasures for you about what God wants to do in you and through your life in this season. Now, I understand for some people, like, hey, it's a big book. I don't know where to start. So we put a little uh, PDF together. If you're interested in picking that up, uh, text the word PURPOSE to 88877. Text that word PURPOSE to 88877, and we'll send you this PDF. And it's, it's just got some stories from Scripture, some of the major characters of Scriptures and what they were going through. And maybe it'll resonate with your life and help you find a verse that speaks to you. So as I mentioned, I, I wanted to share a little bit about a time in my life where I felt like purpose became clearer for me. So back in 2006, um, we were going through a lot of changes as a church and a lot of challenges, and there's a whole story to that, and I don't have time to go into it. Buy me dinner sometime, and I'll tell you the whole story. Um, but a lot, it was a very challenging time. And so Father Michael and I went down to North Point Church in Atlanta for, the drive con- for a conference called the Drive Conference. And so we went there, and just everything about the conference was hitting us at that point. Um, you know, it's just everything from the beginning, beginning session. But it was the final session that really grabbed me and spoke to me, and especially the final moments of that final session. In that session, Pastor Andy Stanley talked about the importance of team and defining teamwork and what teams do, and that teams solve problems and see, seize opportunities. And then he, <coughs> so he kind of did that talked about his main point, and then he kind of came into his closing points, and he said, maybe from the context of eternity, we're a team, because we agree what the problem is. The problem is irrelevant church environments, and if we don't solve that problem, the next generation is not going to know about the goodness of God and about the goodness of Christ and his church. And then he said, I was reminded of this in such a powerful way last night. He had been called over to a member's household because they had just, a member he knew, because they had just lost their 16-year-old son in a car accident. And so Andy describes going over to the house, and of course, there's crying, and there's, there's you know, tears, and all this wave of emotion, and Andy is there, and the father grabs Andy, and pulls him aside and he says, Andy, I want to thank you for our church. Because of our church, I know where my son is. And I know I'll see him again. Then Andy turns to this you know, community, this, this room full of church workers and church staff and volunteers, and he said, is there another organization? Is there another corporation in the world that can give that kind of assurance to a father in that circumstance? Do you think what you do matters? You know, that's worth getting out of bed for in the, evening, in the morning, isn't it? You know, that's worth giving your life to, isn't it? And he said, we got a problem to solve. 
but we're on the same team because the problem is that people think the church has nothing to offer, but we're going to solve it. The people think the church is so out of touch with their day-to-day life, but we're going to solve it. The problem is that people think we, we have nothing of value to add to their lives as a church, but we're going to solve it. And the, the answer, the answer is leadership. He said, is it going to be difficult? Yeah. Are you going to get pushback? Is there going to be challenges? Oh, yeah. Is it going to be worth it? Oh, yeah. Because we're following a risen Savior who said, go out there and change the world. In that moment, I just like kind of, you know, in, in my mind, I just raised my head and said, hand and said, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'll give the rest of my life to making sure that churches are relevant, that people come to know how good the good news really is and how relevant it is to their lives. And there was lots of reasons why I was ready to receive that message, but one of them was that I was in God's word and seeking God in his scripture. And so, I want to encourage you. Seek God and his purpose. Seek it through reading his word. And I truly believe that as you seek God in his word, as you read word, his word expectantly, something will grab you. And when it grabs you, grab it back. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you hide in your word something for us and not from us, that you want us to seek in your word so we might discover the treasure of the purpose you have in our lives. And God, we thank you that in some way that means testifying to the goodness of your grace, the goodness of the gospel, and how good the good news really is. So God, I do pray for everyone here listening that they would pursue you through your word, and God, that you would reveal yourself to them in a, in a special and powerful way. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks for watching with us today. Hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss a single thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We are so grateful you're part of our community.